0: welcome to another edition of the get the knack podcast i am your host jerry knack and i am coming to you from ocean shores washington the get the knack podcast studio i'm joined by my good friend my old navy buddy he writes for popmatters.com and he's in snowed in boston massachusetts please welcome back to the program for his monthly appearance mr chris Ingalls. jerry how's it going doing really well doing really well how about you
1: I'm um, doing well. I'm. I, I think I. I already uh, mentioned this to you that uh, I have decided to do a sort of lame version of Dry January. It's basically just no beer January. So um, the only way to to do that is to stick to hard liquor. <laughs> you yeah, know, there are worse which, things. Which is right. It's the, which is not my usual thing. I mean, you know me. I'm a beer yeah. drinker. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of changing it up a little bit and, and hopefully. Uh, Hopefully that'll do wonders for the beer gut, but you know it's only a month, so what? What? How much good could it do?
0: Yeah, nutrition and exercise really help too. In case you were wondering how that I, works,
1: I heard I heard that was a thing too. So. <laughs> it's well, we'll definitely see. a thing. We'll see well, how things go.
0: Well, you get the fourteen-year-old Scotch tonight. You get the good Glenlivet, and then uh, I've got a Dark Truth sitting right here, which I can get in Olympia, Washington now. Uh, nice yeah so you know the, the beer you name a book after you you tend to like to be able to get it and like i mentioned it's out of kansas city boulevard uh, brewing uh, and i got mm-hmm. uh, got a chance to visit the uh, uh the tap room and all that a couple of years ago got a free free beer out of the deal uh, by showing the the graphic design of the cover of my book so you know hey nice yeah i have an affinity for it um but yeah the <laughs> boulevard at uh at uh, basically um you know, alcoholics are us, otherwise known as total wine. Um, oh yeah. 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 We have those here. Yeah. Uh, uh, you can get, you can get it there. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, we make a sojourn to uh, Olympia every, every several weeks or so. And uh, you know, I'm glad uh, that their, their craft beer selection is pretty good. Now here at ocean shores, we get some stuff called Irish death. So mm. yeah, it's really good, really good dark beer. And uh, I've been enjoying that. So But, uh, but got some good scotch going tonight and just some good conversation with my good friend. Good, good, good. Uh, not to be too redundant. Um, you know, first of all, let me say, um, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you, my friend. We've thank known you. each other for, thank you, we've known each other for a long time, and you've been a regular guest on the show since I started it, and uh, so the way we timed this out, uh, this is the first show of the new year, took a couple of weeks off for the for the holidays, so how was your Christmas, how was your New Year's Eve? <laughs> um, it was uh, it, very low-key, um,
1: you know, my um, my mom lives in New Hampshire, about an hour away, we went there for Christmas Eve, and then we had a very, very low-key Christmas day, we actually, um, my son Noah and I, and my wife Liza, we put together a, rather elaborate Lego set. um, As you do. As we do a 2,500, almost 2,500 pieces. It was a replica of a Nintendo game system with a replica of a small television set. It was very elaborate. And um, we were thinking, well, this will keep him busy throughout school break. He was done on December 26th. So um,
0: did you hear about this guy who goes out and um, when he got married he put on the wedding registry the Lego version of the Millennium Falcon. You know how big this fucking thing is? Oh, I've,
1: yeah. A friend of mine had one of those. Yeah.
0: So he put it on the wedding registry. His wife was none too happy. <laughs> so he promised her when we have kids, we'll bust it out. So the kids are like 10 years old now. And now he bust, finally gets the, the Millennium Falcon out of the closet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I you you Lego. I mean, obviously, my son as well uh, was into Legos uh, big time too. Still makes the occasional yeah. stop motion animation. But uh, but yeah, the the Lego oh, wow. yeah the the Lego yeah. thing.
1: You we know. um yeah, so we we knocked that out in in a weekend. But um you know, and then just just sort of you know hanging loose and 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 not doing anything. You know, not doing any like traveling or anything like that. And then New Year's Eve. I you know I can't remember the last time that I actually did something for New Year's Eve. We we generally. You know, stay home and are you know a boring uh sort of couple when it comes to that, but that's fine um and then you know, just kind of heading back into work this week and uh and then we got the snow you know we got this we got this storm overnight last night and um got reacquainted with with the shovel and uh went out and did some sledding with with the boy so um yeah so far things have been pretty good, and you know it's just you know covid is doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So you have to kind of, you know, a, adjust your plans accordingly. But, uh, I think we've been doing a pretty good job so far.
0: Well, as, as the word pandemic has become, you know, part of the lexicon the last couple of years, I'm, I'm learning a new word called endemic. And it's basically right. like, we gotta, it's like the flu, right? You got to learn to live with the yeah. stupid thing. Right. Um, yep. so yeah, for us, we're not really new year's people either. We stay up until nine and, and celebrate with the East <laughs> coast folks and go to bed uh yeah <laughs> right sure so, oh, well, whatever yeah i mean as like lo- as long as you can find you know one of those those god-awful you know ball drop shows you can celebrate whenever yeah, uh you exactly. know when you're like me and you got friends in australia you, you can celebrate a day ahead of time
1: there you go i like your thinking
0: <laughs> right um <laughs> hey that's how you know the world hasn't ended when you have pals what? in australia and they tell you that they, we're still here <laughs>
1: Well, I remember, uh, I remember going to a party um, on New Year's Eve 99 going into 2000. And, of course, the big thing everybody was talking about was Y2K and, oh and the bug and all that stuff. And I remember being at this party and, you know, someone someone found out on the Internet, you know, because we didn't have, like, f- smartphones or anything like that. They're like, hey, they're, you know, in Europe, everything, the computers are all good. We're good. We're going to be
0: okay. <laughs> Hit five you know, hours it was, ahead
1: we're good yeah we're good so I, I remember but do you remember remember that uh yes whole, that whole freak out like the world's gonna end because computers don't know how to yeah. deal with
0: right because everything learning. was a two-digit thing and not a four-digit yeah. thing and they yeah. uh a cottage industry sprang up they were they were calling programmers out of retirement guys who knew yeah. c++ and all these archaic programming languages Mm -hmm. to to fix everything a lot of people got rich and we still don't know if it was a boondoggle or not because nothing happened yeah so we don't know exactly there's
1: no way to know exactly
0: right we don't know if it was the the you know the guys who swooped in uh to do the reprogramming if they were uh effective at their jobs or if we never hired them in the first place nothing would have happened we we still don't yeah You know, 20, 22 years later, we have no fucking idea.
1: So the whole thing, so the whole thing was a scam perpetrated by programmers to make a bunch of money, right? Is that what we're and saying?
0: That's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking. It's a
1: theory. It's
0: yeah. a theory. Yeah. Meanwhile, the podcast web page is going to get hacked tonight, and that's going to be the end of it. Yeah, Great. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Didn't mean it. No. It's right. okay. You had a good run. Yeah. The, the web is not written in a language you understand anymore. Um, yeah, here we go. Everything Everything I own is going to get hacked. That's great. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. All right. So, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, at the end of uh, every year here on the show, you and I usually uh, talk about, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a year in review. Um, CBS Sunday Morning for years has done a fantastic job with what they call Hail and Farewell. And, you know, I was talking to my wife about this the other day about like celebrities and, and musicians and entertainers and all that. It's that we lose each year and the older we get, the worse this is going to get because the people we grew up with, we're losing. And I've said this before, we really got to worry about the world we're leaving to Keith Richards.
1: (laughs) Yes. Very good point.
0: Right. So Um, I'm going to, I'm going to read off some names and then, then we'll talk about a few that, that, um, mean something to you and I, and then you can jump in with some folks that we forgot or that, that you, that are on your radar, um, that Mm -hmm. I might not be familiar with. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm going to run through this list and a couple of them we're going to talk about in, in, uh, in detail, but obviously in the last week or two, we've lost Betty White and, uh, Mm Sidney Poitier. Uh, we Mm -hmm. also lost Peter Bogdanovich, uh, movie director, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we've lost, uh, Yafit Koto, Christopher Plummer, Willie Garson, Cloris Leachman, Melvin Van Peebles, Marky Post, Olympia Dukakis, Sonny Chiba, Michael K. Williams, Charlie Watts, Anne Rice, Richard Donner, Cicely Tyson, Ned Beatty, Clarence Williams III, Hal Holbrook, Jessica Walter, Tanya Roberts, Peter Scolari, Mary Wilson, Ed Asner, Gavin McLeod, Charles Grodin, George Siegel, Dusty Hill of ZZ Top. I, I say that because you hear the name Dusty Hill, you might not know who I'm talking about. Sure, uh, sure, I understand. Right? Steven Sondheim, Saginaw Grant, DMX. We knew we were losing him early. Uh, Mike yeah. Nesmith, Norm McDonald, And I'm sure there's a bunch that I forgot. And those are the ones that I just looked at IMDB and they have a, a who we lost this year uh retrospective and those are the, the folks that jumped out at me um i don't know if there's anybody that i didn't mention that that uh, um meant,
1: yeah um, i mean i think that's i think that's a lot of them i know that um um uh was it phil specter who was yes. that shit crazy uh, and, a, also, and a murderer and a murderer exactly popped um, off, he popped all, off in jail exactly um i mean a a, a a genius of a producer but whatever you know Separate the art from the artist, whatever. But um, yeah, I, that was that was I think early in the year, and um, you know it's interesting how many people. Um, you know, we lost for better or worse. We lost a lot of people who were pretty pretty old, to, for lack of a better word. I mean, right. you know, I think Cic- Cicely Tyson, I think was in her nineties. I think City uh, Poitier, I think was like ninety something. Ninety four. Um, ninety four. Beverly Cleary, you know, the the mm. author mm. Uh, was was like she was over a hundred. She's like 105 or something
0: like I that. I believe you are correct.
1: Um, uh, you know, Prince Philip, I think, was 100 or something like that. But anyway, it's it's interesting and, and, and interesting what you said about Dmx. It's like, yeah, we kind of saw that coming, maybe. Um, and he was only like a year younger than us. I think he was like 51.
0: Right, um, and it's like when you go back to Amy Winehouse, right? When when Amy Winehouse yeah. died, you're like, okay, yeah. I, I mean, right. tragic loss and tragic loss of talent. Sure. But you know, sure. we all saw it coming. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, when you look at this list, right? I mean, you know, we'll talk about Betty White and Sidney Poitier uh, and a couple others in detail in a second, but you know, Yafit Koto's in some of my favorite movies, including Alien. Oh, sure, right? Sure,
1: sure. Christopher, alien too. He's an alien.
0: Yep. And uh, he was yeah. in uh, a James Bond film, right? He was Mr. Big. Um, yes. uh, and, yes, uh, yep. He played opposite Jane Seymour. Um, and then uh, uh, you know, Christopher Plummer, who a lot of people know from the sound of music, but Christopher Plummer was in everything. Um, yes you know uh, Cloris Leachman uh near and dear to my heart for Young Frankenstein all, and sure, you know absolutely. Always will be Marky Post of Night Court fame. Yep. Uh mm-hmm. Son, Sonny Chiba fantastic um you know Japanese actor uh most recently uh you know gained renewed fame in uh, in Kill Bill. Um, and yep. uh, was really good uh, as Hitori Hanzo who makes uh, samurai swords. Uh one of the, I mean they're all sad right but Michael K Williams is is one that really oh, yeah. jumps out at me right um yeah fantastic actor uh, charlie mm-hmm. watts obviously uh rolling stones uh yeah, drummer that was
1: a bit that was a big one for me very big one for me absolutely and yeah.
0: rice for me uh big mm-hmm. influence on my writing uh she, yeah. she reset the vampire genre for another generation uh obviously uh, richard donner great filmmaker uh, ned Beatty, great character actor oh uh, god yeah You know, uh, Hal Holbrook, another one of my favorites. He was he was in Fletch Fletch Lives, but also um, in Creepshow and and some other uh, horror films. Uh, Obviously, longtime great actor Jessica Walter. I knew her more from Archer than anything else right?
1: Yes. And for me, it was uh, Arrested Development.
0: F- fair enough. Uh, Tanya yep. Roberts, who was uh, one of Charlie's Angels uh, and, and also a Bond girl. Um, we lost her early. Uh, Peter Scolari, also another one, uh, you know, Bosom Buddies. And uh, he was sure, most... Sure, absolutely. He was most recently in the uh, the Paramount Plus, was became Paramount Plus series, Evil, uh, opposite Mike Coulter. Um, you know, Ed Asner. You know, I can't watch the movie up without losing my shit. So... Uh, oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, we all know Ed Asner from Mary Tyler Moore show, which I don't know sure, if sure. with, with Gavin McLeod passing away. I don't know if we have anybody left from that show.
1: Um, you know, it's interesting. I was um, there's a picture that a lot of people were posting on social media um, of uh, when Betty White died, where there was that scene in Mary Tyler Moore when they're all hugging um, in the newsroom. And I think there was like five actors and they're all gone now. It was yeah. Taylor Moore, Gavin McLeod, Ted Knight, mm. uh, Ed Asner and Betty White. And, um, um, you know, three of those people died this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, and I think Ted Knight died in like the eighties, but, but, uh, the rest of them are fairly recent, but yeah, I mean, they were all, they were all, they all lived long lives and they had been around for a long time and, and all that, but it's still sad.
0: You know, yeah. Obviously. And these are people who, you know, they formed our, our parents sensibilities and if, if those sure. of it, you know, if we saw it either in syndication or even for, even for some for first run, um, you know, form some of ours as well. And definitely our, our comedic tastes, right. Our, mm-hmm. our sense of humor. Charles yep. Grodin's one of my favorite all-time actors. Uh, he passed oh, yeah. away. Same with George Segal. George Segal kind of reinvented himself like every other decade. Um, yep. and he was a serious actor at one time and then, uh, became a comedic actor and a stand up comedian. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned, Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. Uh, sure. You know, Steven Sondheim, he's another, another uh, soundtrack of our lives kind of person, uh, yeah. you know, fantastic in, in the theater community. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Saginaw Grant, uh, and, you know, you, you've probably seen him on a hundred things and didn't know who he was. He's, he okay. always plays that native American chief, you know. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, numerous Westerns, different films. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, obviously. Uh, Turner Classic Movies, he was uh, a co-host on uh, one of their podcasts. Uh, uh-huh. So I know he's near and dear to the, uh, the classic movie community. Uh, obviously, uh, the next two that we talked about or mentioned uh, are near and dear to uh, either I'm not, I can't say I'm necessarily a fan, but I get the impact. And I know you're, you're more of a fan, but Mike Nesmith and Norm MacDonald, Um, Yeah. You know, Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. We talked about him on on a previous episode and uh, in in comedian Norm MacDonald, who, you know, carved a niche for himself as a stand up comedian, uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, not ready for primetime player and also uh, as a comedic actor. And so, Um, yeah, it's just a handful of of folks that, you know, jump out to me as, as people that, you know, I enjoyed their work. I was a fan of. And, uh, you know, matter to me, Betty White, if we can talk about Betty White for a minute, um, you know, born in 1922, you know, there's there's three periods of her life and career we can point to Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, the Golden mm-hmm. Girls and, and the stuff she she's done, you know, in her 80s and 90s. Uh, she is the the star of Lake Placid. I don't give a damn what anybody else says. <laughs> I mean, she's absolutely hilarious in that film. Um, and you know, to to hear you know, an octogenarian cuss people out in that film was absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> but Betty White is, be, as you mentioned, I mean, she'd be beloved by millions, and there's a meme floating around. It's supposed to be her at the pearly gates, and basically said, If you've lived 99 years and people are, you know, this sad about you, uh, passing away now, hey, go right in, go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go right ahead,
1: exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, And I think that it's interesting is that she's someone who sort of like transcended generations. I mean, people knew her from Mary Tyler Moore and then she kind of like had this sort of resurgence with golden girls. And then she was this sort of go-to person and all these different things over the last 10 years there, where she kind of became this, like this sort of national treasure, you know? And, um, you I think that's, I think that's definitely, um, you know, the, the, the accolades and all the recognition that's been happening lately Uh, well-deserved. And, and, you know, we talk about the fact that, well, she was 99. I mean, that's, that's a a long life and, and, and everything, but I think she was like what a month or less than a month away from her hundredth birthday. That's going to be, that's going (laughs) to kind (laughs) of suck.
0: I want to say it was two weeks and uh, yeah, exactly. But still, you know, uh, she did everything from voiceover work to movies, to TV. She was married at one time too game show host alan ludden the password yep. is password uh, that's right yeah exactly password and uh you know she <laughs> i remember when I was a kid um you get home from school and all the adults who who like worked those weird shifts and got off at like two they're watching match game in the afternoon and the best thing about match game was they were all drunk all these celebrities that were on that show were freaking in the bag but betty white was a a a a constant, uh, participant in, in match game. And, you know, it just, sure. Yeah. The thing about Betty white was, yeah, yeah. Everybody. Oh yeah. America's grandmother. Yeah. Did you listen to her? Yeah. She, she had a sharp tongue and, uh, you know, it's, uh, she had a a remarkable run and amazing life. And if you get a chance to watch any retrospective on her, uh, please do. Sydney Poitier, um, you know, I, I read something today or they, about him that basically said he was the black star in Hollywood when they could only tolerate one. Yeah. And he was right. it and well, he carried himself with a, with a grace and a professionalism and, and, uh, and a class, especially in the face of everything that he uh, had to endure during his life and career um, that we, we all wish we could aspire to.
1: Agreed. And, um, you know, it's funny we talk about all the kind of classic movies that he was in, like, uh, you know, In the Heat of the Night and Guests is Coming to Dinner and all that. And I was uh, kind of having a conversation with a friend of mine on Facebook today. And we are both, he and I are both um, avowed fans, diehard fans of one of his later movies in which he was in the ensemble cast in 1992, which was Sneakers. And I don't know if you ever saw that. That was the kind of comedy spy thriller with the all-star cast.
0: No, um, I've never seen it. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Good. So I'll have to put that on the it's, list. it's a,
1: it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's got a great cast. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of like a, kind of like a spy thriller, but it's also very funny and it's very well done. And it's, it's, it's kind of light, but it's very entertaining. And, um, uh, I think it was 92 and it was one of river Phoenix's last movies, actually. Uh, um, yeah, really good, really good cast and really fun, fun movie. Um, but that's definitely something worth worth checking out. And somebody pointed out to me or somebody reminded me today that Sydney also, he directed Stir Crazy with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Did you know that?
0: Did not know that. I've seen the movie. I remember seeing it, you know, when I was he much directed younger. it. I had no idea. <laughs> what a crazy film. What a, what a kind of slapstick comedy film to, you know, to be, be part of. That was a crazy mm-hmm. movie. Um, he just – Again, you know, the guy was grace personified. He became a a published author later in his life as well, if I remember correctly. Uh, So, you know, a a renaissance man, if there ever was one, right?
1: Sure. And and you had mentioned, and someone I don't think that you had had mentioned, that I'm kind of surprised you didn't just because of being such a big sports fan as John
0: Madden. You know, that's a whole different conversation. And yeah, so... I didn't even, even cover sports folks, uh, with, with this list. I was just going off of the thing I found on IMDb. Yes. Uh, oh, John, yeah. Meetings and stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. So John Madden, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Thank you, John. I've met John a couple mm-hmm. of times and you know, I, I'm going to uh, kind of crack wise about it. He always kind of looked at you like you wanted something from him. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can ask me for money or whatever. Um, but I always just wanted a quote from him for, for my job. Um, John, John was a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say a bad word about John Madden, but here's the thing about Madden. He played football. He coached football, was a champion Mm -hmm. coach, hall of Mm -hmm. fame coach. Then he went into broadcasting and became one of the best broadcasters in sports history. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he put his name on one of the most successful video game franchises ever conceived. And the thing about that was he didn't just put his name on it. He had everything to do with how the game was designed in the beginning. And he lent his voice mm. to it. And he he refused to accept any compromises as that game was developed. Um, it, it was, you know, they, they suggested simplifying it, making it seven on seven. while football's 11 on 11. And he's like, no, we're not doing mm-hmm. that. And I'm out if that's what you want to do. So right. you know, and and then you know they'd go to his house in Pleasanton, California, and they would record the voiceover, you know, all the different calls and and everything. Um, you know, there's a great documentary on on Fox Sports One right now uh, called All Madden, and I highly recommend even if you're not a sports fan, and I know you're not. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I recommend you know just for the 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 cultural impact of John Madden, go check it out. Uh, okay. you know, he's larger than life. He's bombastic, but the guy was never anybody like he never put on air. He was just the same guy all the time. And, right. he, you know, he, he was interested in, in the every man, right. Or the every woman, right. the every person he, uh, he wanted to know about you. He wanted to know about, uh, you know, he'd go eat at the greasy spoon in whatever town he visited. Right. So, Uh, a man of the people a great coach i was there when he was inducted into the pro football hall of fame in 2006 a great honor in my career um and uh to to be able to witness that um only coach who coached for 10 years that uh won more than 100 games Mm. and the best winning percentage uh, for anybody uh, 100 games or more um and you know that that (laughs) that's rarefied air in pro football sure right so uh, thanks for, uh, for bringing up uh, John Madden. I'm sure there's a bunch yeah, of sure. other uh, sports figures we, uh, we lost in the past year. I know we, uh, we lost a few other uh, from, you know, from my, my world and circle uh, with the uh, then Oakland Raiders this past year, we lost a few folks. So, um, but uh, you know, this, we look back at it every year, whether it's you and I on the show or we do it as a society, we do it in the media um, and, and, You know, I look at it this way. I think it's a, in some cases, it's an excuse to just go back and revisit their work, revisit those things we liked. Right.
1: Right. And I think also is that if it's someone who you've never heard of, like say in your case, you're talking about John Madden, it's like you just recommended a documentary that um, someone who doesn't know anything about him might take up and check out and really enjoy. So I think that, you know, I think it's important to try and appreciate someone while they're still alive. But if that's not possible, you know, it's a great opportunity to go back and look at the work that they've done. If you've never really been all that familiar with it.
0: Well, right. And here's the other thing. So I like a good documentary as you do. Mm -hmm. It's like that Laurel Canyon documentary I just watched recently. I would have known nothing about Mike Nesmith and the monkeys in the proper context when he passed yep. away. Right. So I didn't know anything about the Laurel Canyon scene, uh, you know, Peter Tork and his nudism. Um, you know what though, when you, when your name is, but Peter- did you need to know about no, that? No, I dumb. didn't. But, but if your name is Peter Tork, it's a short walk to nudist, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> Right, Peter Tork, Peter Dork. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it I wouldn't have known about the monkeys and and kinda how well respected they were, because you know, in a lot of circles are kind of considered a joke and not very serious musicians. The opposite is the truth. Um, and they were they were very much part of that scene and well respected by other artists and musicians. Mm-hmm. And so yep. when he passed away I had a greater appreciation for him and then, you know, the whole folk uh, you know, Country rock thing that he, he got into after the monkeys, you know, um, I started to see a little bit of, of that online, but you're the one who kind of brought that home for me. So, yeah. um, like I said, we're, it's just going to get worse because, you know, in my head, I'm still in my thirties, but you know, the fact that I, yep tweaked my back rolling over in bed this morning you know tells me i'm 52 <laughs> oh god it hurts um anyway so you know let's uh kind of pivot and uh, we talked about ann rice uh, some time ago i talked yep. about her on the last episode with anthony hogg from australia who is a, a vampirologist and we talked a lot about ann rice's impact in in the world but as always you and i we try to read more than we did the year before and i did not mm-hmm. even come close cuz i read 30 some books the year before and i only read 9 last year well, let's talk well. a little bit about literature and and what's happening uh, i've had some substantive discussions on this show the get the knack podcast by the way hosted by me Jerry knack and joined by you Chris Ingalls that mm-hmm. um you know when you look at horror right both movies and and books I look at trends, what's happening, what's hot, right? You have the franchises that keep coming back around, right? We're going to have Scream 5 coming up soon. We just had Mm. Halloween Kills, right? Mm. These things are bankable franchises. Sure. But the discussion is that we talk about you know, okay, we've got werewolves, vampires, science gone wrong. It's like, what's next? What's the the thing? And it's looking like folk horror. Native American horror is really becoming a thing. And I just finished My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones, who is, is becoming a louder and louder uh, voice in horror. He's a Blackfeet Indian, and he um, he's written several books, and I've read two, The Only Good Indians and in My Heart is a Chainsaw. And this guy, what a fantastic writer he is. And I just finished something by uh, Adam Neville called Cunning Folk. It's English folk horror. This is the guy who did The Ritual, which you can find on Netflix, starring Rafe Spall. Fantastic movie. I haven't read the book, but the movie's great. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Talking about elder gods, old gods, Lovecraftian. T- I won't even, I mean, that's a whole different animal, but just to put it in context, the stuff that predates Christianity. Right. Like real old world magic and and that kind of thing. And I think that you're starting to see that more and more in films and books.
1: OK, yeah.
0: And and I it's think, a... you know, the old monsters, right? We were like, OK, we're tired of of Frankenstein, Dracula and the and Wolfman. What's, you know, then we had slashers, right? Slashers are the thing. Slashers have been the thing for 30 years now. But what's next? What's happening? And I think folk horror is where it is. Um it's you know we're still gonna have zombies we're still have all that there's a new resident evil movie coming out um we're still gonna have that kind of thing but but i think it's you know for the dark claustrophobic disturbing horror that really Mm -hmm. gets at your soul i think it's that it's that folk horror and and i'm here for it
1: yeah I, i was gonna say i think that that's i'm not really familiar with that genre but i think it's great that there is a you know, literary genres or subgenres or whatever kind of like come and go. And some of them stay for a long time. But I mean, I also think that there's going to be a point where uh, readers are kind of like hungering for something different. And I think that's from the way you described it. It sounds like a really interesting genre that, um, you know, would. And again, it it seems like it's also very versatile because you said that this guy also did some TV adaptations as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds, that sounds pretty cool to me.
0: Well, the movie antlers just came out, uh, in the last couple of months and I haven't seen it yet, but, um, it's got Carrie Russell in it. And I, and I really want to say Jesse Plemons is in it. Um, that seems to yeah, have that. everything these days. Oh, Jesus Christ. Tell me about it. him. And Kirsten does, I watched the way of the <laughs> dog or whatever the hell that thing's called. It's the worst fucking movie I've ever seen in my life with the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And Oh my God, it's freaking terrible. Um, yeah, but, I've
1: heard. I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of very polarizing opinions. There's some people who agree with you, and there's some people. It's just like it's a meditation on whatever. Because I guess the, the the problem I think a lot of people had was that like nothing happens. Is that what it is? It's, it's a like,
0: slow burn to nowhere.
1: Really boring. Extremely
0: yeah. boring. And and yeah. but it's when you finally get it, when you finally understand it, it's too late. It's the, the roll credits and you know i i, I and the okay. funny thing is i get it i under, it's there's there's like three dynamics at work in this film but it is it, the the narrative is just missing there's no there's no through line it's it's just really really hard to follow even though the concepts are there and then then when when you know kind of that 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 climax happens which isn't much of one you're like oh i get it okay it's about this mm-hmm. now i don't want to give any spoilers away in case anybody out there wants to listen to it you know all 60 some of my listeners <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> listeners are getting better um <laughs> but, you know i love benedict cumberbatch right so i'll i'll listen to the guy read the phone book i you know he's uh, yeah. he's that good and and i like plummens and and you know he's uh, in a in real life relationship with uh, Kirsten Dunst and, you know, they're, they're turning into a baby hatchery. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, I, I I had high hopes for this thing, right? I'm like, Oh, new age, uh, Western, it's going to be, it's got Cumberbatch. it's gonna be really good. No, mm -mm, didn't care for it. I don't know how it won Mm. any awards. I really don't. Um, yeah. So, as far as the books that we we read um, last year, let me. Uh, mine's a lot shorter, and your discussion's gonna be a lot deeper. So I'm going to kind of just uh, go through mine real quick because they all seem to be by the same people and same genre. And so uh, I started the year with uh, The Only Good Indians uh, by uh, Stephen Graham Jones and yeah. uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I read. Um, I went back and I, I, well, Stephen King had a new book come out called later, which is part yes. of the hard case crime, uh, mm-hmm. imprint and
1: yeah, like uh, Colorado kid and,
0: and, uh, joyland. And I think Later's joyland. the best of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and then I read ham on rye by Charles Bukowski, which, you know, you want to, you want to, some side splitting sardonic humor, read Charles Bukowski. Um, Stephen King's uh, *Nightmares and Dreamscapes*. I went through that entire collection of short stories. Nice. I reread *On the Road* by Jack Kerouac, and this I one, noticed
1: that in your list that you yeah. came up with. And I know that you had read it before. I know you're a huge Kerouac fan. I'm interested to find out what what you what 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 uh, gave you the um, idea to read it again.
0: Well, I had the original scroll version, and that's the one I read first this is the right. commercial release version okay so um there are some major major differences and obviously the original scroll goes into much deeper detail on certain stops along kerouac's travels back and forth across the country most notably denver uh and there's much more mm-hmm. detail about about his stopovers in denver and the people he met and and then he knew there i never knew that the homelessness that I saw in my my infrequent trips to Denver was actually generational. It was over the course of decades until I read On the Road and, mm-hmm. and you know, go back to the 40s and his trips, you know, through that part of the world. And he actually was going to relocate to Denver at one time. Uh, the homelessness <clears> there has, has been going on since, you know, the World War II era. Um, right. So then uh, then I, I went back and I've had a copy of this for a while, but the first thing I ever read by Stephen King was the Night Shift collection of short stories. And I bought the, it. It's funny. I actually bought this copy in Denver at the Tattered Cover Bookstore. Um, so I went back and I read Night Shift front to back. And uh, that was uh, one of the things that I read. And then... Um, let's see, what else did I read? I read, I read, I finally went back and read the Colorado kid by Stephen King, the mm-hmm. first of the hard case crime. This one's illustrated, right. which I found was really, really interesting. Uh, not mm-hmm. a great, not a great book. Um, but, huh. but it's more Short of a, book, though, right? it's, a, yeah, it's, very, a it's
1: almost like a novella, right?
0: Yeah. And if you want to, if you, if you want an introduction to Stephen King's main, this is a good book to read. Uh, it's got okay. that down home style of, of sure. speaking and writing and right. Yeah. then another book that he came out with a a full novel, Billy Summers, Mm -hmm. hotly anticipated book by Stephen King. Um, Excellent, excellent book. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's not supernatural, even though the Overlook Hotel makes a a cameo appearance, you know, the the Hotel from the Shining. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, then I finished out the year with um, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. And, you know one of the things that you mentioned to me when you first read my first book was all the pop culture references. Mm -hmm. Yep. Stephen Graham Jones in this one, it's, it's slasher movie references. And, and, and there's even some, some, you know, kind of offbeat ones uh, like uh, the evil dead gets a shout out in there. And it's, it's all about, it's all about slashers. And uh, if you like slasher movies, read this book. Um, Mm -hmm. So last year was all about kind of, Continuing my quest to read everything Stephen King has ever written and discovering Stephen Graham Jones and, uh, you know, kind of kind of getting immersed in in that. Um, and then so I just as I mentioned, I just finished Cunning Folk uh, by Adam Neville, which was really, really good. Uh, it takes half of the it's only 330 pages or less and but it takes until about the halfway point to really really get your attention and when it gets your attention it smacks you in the face
1: wow yeah
0: so it's worth sticking with it until you get to that point and then it rockets to the end um so that's kind of it you know since you know last january to this january it's been about 10 books which is a little you know it's better than the year before i read 33 or 34 but you know, yeah, sure. a little disappointing for me, but I'm determined to get back into it this year. And uh, I think um, I think my reading informs my writing. Right. So
1: that's yeah, that's interesting. What was your um, uh, year
0: in uh, in reading like?
1: Um, well, I, go- I actually read 15 books this year, which was one more than I read the year before, but it's still not in my opinion, enough, because I don't, it just basically shows that I don't spend enough time leisure doing, like, reading for pleasure, Um, which I, I, every year I say I'm going to change that, and, you know, who knows if that's going to happen this year. I, you know, you mentioned short story collections, and that's something, that's a genre that I have been becoming more and more interested in over the last couple years, and um, I read, um, I think I read three short story collections this year. One of them was by Jeffrey Eugenides, who wrote, middle sex and Virgin suicides um this is a short story collection called fresh complaint which was really good um i read two short story collections by a guy who is becoming probably one of my favorite writers lately haruki murakami um he had a brand new short story collection come out this year called first person singular and then um i read a slightly older short story collection of his Uh, just a couple weeks ago called men without women. Um, I really like Murakami a lot because he is sort of, he kind of dips a little bit into like magical realism. It's kind of like, you know, ordinary people who, who confront kind of strange situations um, that may not make total sense. Um, And he has a very simple writing style, which I find very kind of relaxing. I don't know how to, how to explain it. And also his books, he's Japanese and all of his books take place in Japan And I love the way he kind of like imbues like modern day Japanese culture into his books. I think it's fascinating. So those, those were two really good collections. Um, I read a couple of memoirs. I read, uh, I finally read the Stephen, the Steve Martin memoir, Born Standing Up, which was very entertaining. And it's interesting in that the book basically is takes, takes place from his, from, from like the very beginning of his life until right about the time he became really famous. So it's not like, it's not necessarily like a story of celebrity because the book kind of ends once he becomes huge, you know? So it's sort of like his beginnings. Was Um,
0: that right around the time of, of King Tut or was it beyond that?
1: I think it was pretty much around King Tut. I mean, I didn't, I don't, if I remember correctly, it didn't really get too much into his post stand up like acting career. So I think the book kind of winds down like in the late seventies. So it's, it's really more about his comedy career than his acting career um so if that's something and i and you know i don't know if you know this but in his early days he was a writer on a lot of comedy shows like smothers brothers and stuff like that so he talks a lot about that um but it's it's you know he's he's a rather prolific writer anyway he's written some some novels and some novellas so you know he's a good writer and this wasn't ghost written or anything like that i mean it's all him and it's very entertaining um some good... Oh, another really good memoir that I read, it might might have been my favorite book of the year, was um, a book called um, The History of Bones, which is a memoir by a guy named John Lurie, who is a uh, musician-slash-actor. Um, he had a band in the 80s. He was a, He's a saxophonist. He had this band called The Lounge Lizards, who were this sort of, like, punk jazz band who were really big in the... <laughs> uh, I know the... the
0: Lounge Lizards. I love The Lounge Lizards. They're freaking yeah. amazing. Yeah, so he
1: was... He was the leader of this band and a f- absolutely fascinating guy. And then he ended up when he ended up with uh, advanced Lyme disease, and Jesus. he's still he's still God. around, but he can't play music anymore, God. and he also can't act anymore. But he paints all the time, and he had this show in the '90s on HBO called Fishing with John, where he would go out fishing with random celebrities he was friends with, like Willem Dafoe, Tom Waits, all these people, God. and. Yeah, it's, I've actually never seen it, but it's supposed to be pretty, pretty interesting. And now he has a show on HBO called Painting with John. And so he's this, you know, another one of these kind of renaissance man types who has all these different skills. But one of the things that I thought was really cool about the book is that it kind of takes you into the 70s and 80s sort of like art scene in Manhattan. And it's, it's, it's definitely like a sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of book, um, it's not not for not for not for the kids um
0: but it's, what it's, what of what we read is for the kids exactly the weird true. twisted demented shit that we read whether yeah. it's fiction or even nonfiction.
1: i'm going down the list and i think you're i think you're absolutely right there really isn't anything um
0: no, there's not
1: i uh you know what's interesting is is one of, the, one of the books that I read this year that was not quite as enjoyable, but I read it strictly for nostalgia's sake, is I read um, Agatha Christie's Evil Under the Sun, ah. um, which, you know, I have a soft spot for that movie, um, the one with Peter Ustinov, where Peter Ustinov played Poirot, and it was one of these all-star casts, you know, and it was very campy, and uh, I remember watching it on HBO back in the early 80s when I was a kid. And I had never actually read the book. And I read some Agatha Christie books, but i never read that one. And I read it and I was just like, not very impressed. It was just like, you know, a typical kind of, kind of, you know, cliche whodunit or whatever. But I'm kind of glad I read it because it's just like, now I can say I read it. And um, it's interesting though. There's this whole, like Kenneth Branagh has been remaking Agatha Christie uh, film adaptations over the last couple of years. He did this all-star adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express a couple of years ago. I've seen it. We- which I actually, I enjoyed it. I don't know if you did or yeah. not. I didn't love it, but it was, it was, it was a good movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Interesting cast. Now he's come out with a remake of Death on the Nile, and... which um should be interesting. I haven't, I saw a trailer for it. Um. It's got a really interesting cast. I'm trying to think of who Russell Brand of all people is in it. Oh, and, um, <laughs> and I forget who, is I is forget is who everybody else.
0: in hazmat gear around that guy? I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. But um, anyway, I, you know, Agatha Christie is one of these writers who, when I was like a teenager, you know, I re- I read some of. The, I, re- I mean, I remember reading uh, Ten Little Indians, um, and uh, I read Murder on the Orient Express. You know, I mean, it's just it's kind of like it's like comfort. The literary equivalent of comfort food, you know. Sometimes you just like to curl up with a cheesy whodunit, and uh, is, is, you know nobody that, did that better than her. Is is that, Dra- that?
0: that's Dracula for me?
1: Okay, <laughs> Com- perfect.
0: Comfy slippers and a smoking jacket, and me and Bram exactly. Stoker, right? Uh, um,
1: the yeah. um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was something else I was going to say I was talking about. Agatha Christie has talking about. Oh, uh, Stephen King. I didn't read any Stephen King this year. Um, what the
0: fuck is the matter he- with you?
1: I have no idea what you gotta read
0: at least one. God,
1: I read I read. You know, it's funny. I read one last year. It was Carrie. Um,
0: you know, I I'm seriously. I, I just got Lizzie's story. I, it's on the nightstand. I've got mm-hmm. I've got a whole bookcase now. You know, just a small three shelf bookcase. It's nothing but Stephen King, and and I'm you know huh. I'm, I'm double parked on on one shelf. Um, yeah. You know, and Lizzie's story is probably not going to be the next one I read. I've actually really thought about going back to Carrie, go back to the beginning,
1: mm-hmm. read
0: that. I just got a copy of The Shining, finally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, Santa Claus brought that. And so I'm thinking about kind of going back to the beginning and starting from there, right? I just reread or read the Castle Rock stuff. Yeah, uh, So I think I might go back to the beginning with him. I've got. Uh, I picked up a copy of Clive Barker's Cabal, which the movie Nightbreed is based on. I've never read the book. So Mm -hmm. I kind of want to get back into some Clive Barker as well. But you know what? It kind of bugged me. And and I know you've talked about this before, either on social media or even on this show. I didn't read anything by any female authors last year. And, you know, I, I... I, I don't know if that's a thing or what, but it just, I like to keep my, my horizons nice and, nice and broad, pardon mm-hmm. the word. yeah um, it. <laughs> but <laughs> unintended pun. Um, and you know, I have some Jennifer Egan. I have, uh, you know, yeah, unread yeah. Jennifer Egan, uh, cause we both read, um, uh, a visit from the goon squad. I read Manhattan yep. beach, which I sent to you, um, which
1: I haven't read yet. I did start it. And you know what? That reminds me. I think I'm going to try and, and get into that one again. Did you like, did you end up? like? I loved that? it.
0: Yeah. It, it yeah. I had to start it a second time because I started it, put it down and came back to it. I started it from mm-hmm. the beginning and then I plowed all the way through it. Uh, several different storylines all coalesce at the end. And it, it's really, really well done. Um, nice. and, uh, she's, you you spend half the book wondering where she's going with it. And then the other half of the book going, hurry up and get there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, it, because it, yeah, it's another one of those where it takes half the book to, for it to really start to rocket forward. Kind of mm-hmm. like girl on the train did for me. Okay, um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to, to get more into, you know, I've got some Anne Rice that I, that I have uh, the Prince Stat, which I never read uh, on the shelf. And I know, you know, Anne Rice, everybody reads Anne Rice, but um, I'd like to read some more uh, female authors um and get get into that and uh but um yeah i started servants of twilight by dean Koontz last night which um he wrote under a pen name some time ago like 1984 uh but it's it's under his name now so i love dean Koontz and uh you know i'm gonna dive into his stuff too but uh but yeah it's funny um how you were you were talking about you know going into going from books to, to movies, there was a, a ham-handed uh, a- AFRTS segue in there somewhere, and I missed it. Uh, <laughs> 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 we were all taught great segues. Nice yeah, right. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the stuff that's out um, on streaming and, and whatnot. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett just came out on Disney+, uh, two episodes mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, in, in my own household, there are mixed reviews um so i enjoy it so that tells you who the mixed part is um and then <laughs> uh you know obviously uh, last year midnight mass from uh from uh mike flanagan who did uh, the haunting of hill house uh you know kind of got everybody's attention at the end of the year and of course squid game right now there's another korean series you got to watch it's only one season and hopefully they put out the second season it's called hellbound really interesting stuff uh, I highly recommend, um, I couldn't stop watching it. Uh, I was staying up way too late watching this damn series. Um, so if you get a chance to, if, you know, if you've watched squid game and you like Korean horror storytelling, uh, go watch Hellbound. It's really good. I think that's Netflix also. If it's not, it's an Amazon prime.
1: Okay. Uh, okay.
0: But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So you, you know, you kind of ham handed segue to movies, uh, Spider-Man, the new one. Um, I don't think I've seen a universally applauded movie in a long, long time. And I know what I was going to, yeah. ma- I was, I know what I was going to mention. You and I talked about noir not that long ago about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, LA confidential had it, come back around and we were watching it. Um, So uh, Nightmare Alley is the new one from Guillermo del Toro. And I haven't seen it yet. And I really, really want to. I went back and I watched the original. I recorded it on Turner Classic Movies with Tyrone Power. Um, I'm really interested to see the remake or the reimagining because, first of all, I don't know if you're like me. If you watch certain kind of movies like a horror movie or a film noir, if there's not enough death in it not enough murder and mayhem. You're like kind of left flat. And I kind of felt Mm -hmm. that way with the original nightmare alley. I was like, interesting. This is what everybody's making such a big deal out of. I mean, there's a little Mm. bit, but nothing. I mean, I, I got it in the end and and you can't help, but get it, but it just seemed to be a slog to get there. And there wasn't enough like murder and mayhem in it for my, my taste. So be really interesting with this all-star speaking of all-star cast, right um the uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, reimagining of Nightmare Alley I'd like to see that but the Spider if you haven't seen Spider-Man go see it
1: yeah I mean I um we've decided to I think uh my son is a little freaked out by the potential in- intensity of that one so we're gonna take his lead on it and hold off but he did really like the um the animated one from a few years ago, the Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that was that was amazing. That I thought that was just terrific. And I'm I'm kind of hot and cold with superhero stuff. I'm, it's just not really my thing, just because it's just so. There's so much of it. It's just like I I feel like I don't know where to start, and I've never really been a huge fan. So it's kind of like I feel like I'm totally out of my league watching these because I don't know a lot of the backstory or anything. But sometimes I, I, if I'll just get hooked into one. I'll just watch it and just enjoy the ride and it's like I'm not really sure who these people are but this is fun you know and and um, and I think that was kind of the case when I watched that spider-verse movie uh, also just because it was just so fascinating to watch just from a from an animation standpoint it was just sure. amazing it was so so creative you know but the new spider-man that's not animated right that's a live action
0: yes and um, right. you know it Um, there's some of that multiverse element, right? Dr. Strange is speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch. He's, he reprises his role as Dr. Strange. Um, and, uh, you have, you have the Spider-Men from all three franchises all in this film, which is really, really cool how they do it. Um, I think, you know, for me, I really have a pro and and I had a real problem with the Dr. Strange film. I have a real problem with those inception effects, those, those okay. you know, the folding of time and space and Earth and, you know, uh, I have a real problem and a real issue with that. I, I don't know what it is. It's just it's hmm. not it's not linear to me. And I and I I, I like linear storytelling and, and just those effects. You know, so I was I was really worried with the new Spider-Man that there was going to be too much of that. And I was thankful and glad there was a little bit, but it was not too much. The action sequences are spectacular. Uh, mm-hmm. the dialogue between, uh, you know, the, the three Spider-Men is, is witty. It's well done. Um, you know, they, they play off each other really, really well with, uh, mm-hmm. Toby Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how this worked, right? Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man did the best sequel. Andrew Garfield's probably was the best first Spider-Man film and this new mm-hmm. one is the best third Spider-Man film. It's really yeah, weird how these three franchises play that way. Right. Huh. So, uh, and you know, Mar- Marissa Tomei uh, kind of resurrected her career as Aunt May. Um, and it just, yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. Zendaya, obviously uh, as MJ is a totally different take on that character. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of these types of movies, the another Spider-Man related film, that's coming out uh, is a vampire film called Morbius, uh, and that's got Jared Leto in the title role. Uh, Morbius in the comic books is a Spider-Man villain, and I actually have a few uh, a few of those in the house Spider-Man comic mm-hmm. books with more featuring Morbius. Um, so I'm really excited about that one coming out. Um, and uh, you know, theater-wise, we've been what, we've been to three films. We went to the James Bond film. We went to Ghostbusters and we went to see Spider-Man and, mm-hmm. um, you know, our little theater here in Ocean Shores, Washington, our three screens and actually really, really good popcorn and, uh, surprisingly good. And, uh, so, you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, limit our exposure to other people still. Yeah. Um, that's smart. Right. But, um, but trying to go back uh, a little bit here and there and uh, you know, we cut the cord on cable and we're, we're streaming only at this point. (laughs) Funny, funny story. It's not really funny because uh, I, I, uh, I was going to hurt people. Um, So as much as we have this, this, streaming stuff right which is great I love it and and you know if you go streaming only if you go Hulu or you go to yeah and you can add on all the different things that you can add on like you know Disney plus and and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that you, you you're not missing out on not having cable right the problem right. the problem now is certain programs are broadcasting cable only and I found this out during the holidays with two things I wanted to watch oh-huh Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know which is a treatise on bullying. Um and and uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. And you can get that on Apple Plus and I'm like, man, eh, I'm kind of off Apple Plus right now. I had it for you know like a free trial and then I didn't I didn't sign up for it and I actually we bought Charlie Brown Christmas on DVD so I could have the damn thing because I was so pissed I couldn't watch it on my streaming service.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that that becomes sort of like um a, 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 an indication of of what we've become as viewers where you know you and i i think both have collected media over the years i mean we have dvds we have blu-rays and and that used to be kind of my go-to when i wanted to watch a movie let's see what i have in my collection now what we do is i mean i have the player hooked up i know i think you said that your player isn't hooked up oh just it's, it it's now.
0: just now hooked up because of charlie brown yeah.
1: Right. And so, you know, one of the things that we do is like if we want to watch a movie and we're like, oh, it's on Netflix, let's put it on or it's on Hulu or whatever. And if we can't find it on any of our streaming services, we say, well, I think I have the DVD somewhere. And then we try and dig it out. And if we can't find it, we're like, just pay the three bucks and rent it. You know, so it's kind of turned us into this sort of lazy viewers. But um, at the same time, um, you know, there is. There is a lot of stuff that, you know, you can't find on streaming unless you want to pay for it or, or whatever. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that I still have my physical media, even though I don't really dig into it that much anymore.
0: You know, I agree with you. I'm looking at my wall of DVDs right now, right? I I went out when we, we got this house here in Washington, I went out to, you know, and we bought it online, but, you know, through Walmart, we got this, this media cabinet and it's got all my DVDs and CDs in it. And, you know, I... My, my thought is if it's in a box, I won't know I have it. If it's in front of my face, yeah. I'm more likely to grab it. And, you mm-hmm. know, the only reason the DVD player wasn't hooked up properly anyway is that we had trouble hooking up our, our audio system, right? We got a sound bar and we have some surround speakers and, and we had a little trouble with that. So I didn't mess with the DVD player. And so, like you said, here's the thing. I'll give you a perfect example of why what you just said is kind of insidious, right? When we had Comcast in California, they have Peacock, right? That's their streaming service. And a couple of years ago at Halloween, they took all the universal horror films from 1931 to 1954 or whatever it was and put most of them on Peacock. So you could watch the Wolfman, Dracula, whatever mm-hmm. as part of your, your streaming service on Peacock. And then when Halloween was over with, they took them off. And, and, uh, you know I even tweeted at them well I tweeted about it and then they answered me in some real stalkerish customer service That uh, yeah. they're very aggressive on Twitter um, and I said you know what the fuck's the deal here oh yeah well you know we, we we had it and then we took it off we'll put it back you know when it's time you know whatever and um, you know, I own a lot of those films already and certain mm-hmm. times a year, I like to watch them. Usually when yeah. football season's over with, we're in January or February and it's dark and cold outside and I, I want to watch, you know, 1930s horror films. That's what I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll grab. But, you know, if it's as on, you do, as you do uh, and like you said, I'm a lazy viewer. I'm, I'm hitting a button. On a TV, on a remote. I don't want to get out the DVD. I don't want to fire up the DVD player, make sure the source is set properly and all this bullshit to get the damn DVD to play. Um, But we took the the damn DVD player and put it in the bedroom so I could watch Charlie Brown's fucking Christmas, Um, which kind of throws Linus's speech in the thing out the window the way I just put that. Uh, But no, I'm I'm staring at this wall of, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred DVDs, and, you know, I got, like, Paramount Plus... I don't have to put my Indiana Jones um, DVDs in ever paramount freaking runs it like a marathon every other weekend. Right? right. I can watch all the Indiana Jones movies all I want. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like Hulu because I get Turner classic movies in high definition, which I did not have on my, my cable system. Um, right. Right. So, but kind of what I like about them is what they do in October for Halloween they didn't do it this year so I'm like hey um, but anyway I have no regrets in in canceling cable service the picture quality is better over the Wi-Fi anyway right yeah. and, and I don't know what you're doing doing your dishes or brushing your teeth or whatever the hell you're doing <laughs> is uh, it really
1: that loud I
0: can hear it yeah it makes me have to All pee right. I don't know what you're doing um, anyway um, you're, listening the, uh, you're listening to the you're listening to the Get to that podcast with your host Jerry Knack, and I'm joined by my good friend Chris Ingles of PopMatters.com. You know, I was going to mention to you, I found this on YouTube, and I, I, I know you hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, so you know that's I mean
1: different to the Rock and Roll. That, of that's, that's a that's jab.
0: Funny. That's a that's a poke. That's a. Um, but you know, we talked about it on a previous episode, and I know this episode's all over the damn place and has no continuity or through line, but um, on YouTube uh, and I hate the way they, they do this. Uh, not that they put it on YouTube, just how they do it in general. Uh, I finally watched the go-go's induction ceremony into the rock and roll hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, video quality is fantastic. If you watch it, 1080p on YouTube, it's, it's great. Uh, they're, they're wearing so much makeup. They look fantastic, uh, for, <laughs> for women in they their, their early sixties. Uh, I think Kathy Valentine just turned 63. So happy birthday, yeah. Kathy Valentine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so they've been doing some shows at whiskey A go, go in LA they were going to do some stuff in Vegas. They've canceled a bunch of shows because of, uh, COVID, but, uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, was their inductor into the uh, yep. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yep. uh, I saw so, that. Yep, so if you're a fan of the Go-Go's like I am, go to YouTube and, and check it out. Uh, they perform like a medley of uh, some of their hits and then uh, give their uh, acceptance speech. It's, uh, it was really cool to see because I think it was funny. My, my 15-year-old was asking me about punk music the other day and there was a debate in my house whether or not I was ever a punk and, and I don't know why there was a debate because I was definitely a punk at one time. Um, and my son was like, okay, if I'm going to, you know, go back to punk music, see how we come back to music, um, that, uh, you know, what, where would I start? What I would listen to. And I'm like, well, you got to start with the sex pistols and yeah. you know, you, you got to go back to the late seventies and it's loud. They're terrible musicians. They're even worse singers and they're just angry. Yeah. Right. And, and I think one of the things that bothered me recently, I think it was, uh, What's her name? Uh, Olivia Rodrigo or whatever her name is. Uh, mm-hmm. Vlad Vlad Duthier of uh, CBS Mornings called her pop punk and I about threw up in my mouth. Um, <laughs> you obviously do not know what the fuck punk is. Um, I've had my, you know, flight deck boot, uh, cargo pants, uh, fatigue pants and beret, punk wearing days. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is, it's the post-punk stuff that I always go back to, that I've always been a fan of, that I will always be a fan of, from Joy Division to New Order to The Cure to to all that stuff from that that time period. But it was kind of funny that we had that conversation.
1: Yeah, it's um, you know, it's funny because it's like my son. He's you know, he's he's a bit younger. He's ten, and um, I uh, you know, I think we might have talked about this before, but I, I definitely. I'm not one of these people, believe it or not, who like pushes pushes my musical tastes on him. But if he is interested in something and he asks me about it, I'm you know I'm more than happy to kind of point him in the right direction. I mean, occasionally, I'll be listening to something and he'll catch on to it. He'll say, "Wow, well, what is this?" Or I really like this song, and um, he likes stuff. He likes a lot of guitars. He likes like loud, fast guitars. And, you know, we were I was listening to some early, early Joe Jackson, and he really dug it. And um, I played the Ramones before, and he really seemed to like that. And I don't know. I think that that's kind of like that's some stuff that's like, I mean, the Ramones are timeless. I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. And you talk about people like Sex Pistols, where, you know, they weren't really that very, very good musicians. Well, the Ramones weren't really very good musicians either. But, you know, what? they were they were they were fucking awesome, you know, because they were just like it was just it was just a, a um, you know, an attitude yes. and it's, it's, it's catchy and um, it doesn't have to be super, you know, intricate and um, just goes to show someone who was born in 2011 can, can, can totally get into that. And um, you know, it's funny cause he likes <laughs> the stuff that he's really into more than anything else is music from video games, which is kind of,
0: it's, you know, kind, you of, know
1: kind, of, kind of makes me cringe a little bit, but it's like, hey, whatever you like, fine. But I
0: wouldn't have <laughs> discovered groups like the Donna's or the X's if it wasn't for video games. Right. I'm, yeah. I was playing sports video games, you know, back in the 2000s. And I'm like, you know, the mm-hmm. soundtrack yeah. of these games is, is especially, you know, back then the sports games like b- baseball and football. You know, they had these bands that you never heard of. And I'm using mm-hmm. the X's in like Flash productions for work after that and i'm like yeah, man, i've yeah. never heard of these guys as far as my my son you know 15 he he's been an Eminem fan for years um mm-hmm. you know obviously he likes you know more current stuff like you know he's a big billy eilish fan but you know mm-hmm. your son you know if he likes fast guitars i got some thrash i can throw at you right we'll we'll go <laughs> yeah. back to suicidal tendencies and 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 that kind of thing and uh, yeah and i
1: think that i think that he i think that that's the kind of stuff where it's just like he just he likes it loud and fast. Down and, strumming. Um, There's nothing yeah. like it.
0: <laughs> right. So you know. <laughs> that's that's what the I mean, Ramones were famous for. And that's what I told my Noah was like, "You want to you want American punk? You start with the Ramones." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then you and, want you want European punk, you start with the Sex Pistols.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I I um, you know, I I think that he could probably also like, you know, I think he'd also be into like early like early stuff of the jam i mean that's kind of like that's that's british that's sort of like british punk but it's a little bit more thinking person stuff i mean kind of like because then you get into like the clash and the clash they were you know they were a lot more you know they they explored like reggae and stuff like that so yeah the clash is a great place yeah i mean and it was again they started out they started out really a little bit more kind of like very simple punk and then they were like oh we want to talk about how like shitty the world is and how politicians are all assholes and then it's like oh that's a that's a whole new thing <laughs> you know yeah um so you know that, maybe, that, that, maybe a,
0: that persists
1: that persists exactly it's timeless <laughs>
0: It's timeless, but yeah, I mean, but then that stuff, that leads to like uh big audio dynamite and it leads to a lot sure. of electronica and, and that kind of thing. Yep. Right. I mean, cause you even look at, uh, you know, fat boy slim, he starts in the house Martins. Right. So exactly. Yep. Right. So you, it, it's like one thing leads to another and I am a big believer before you can move forward. You need to know where you came from yeah right yeah. I'm, i've yeah. never been in one of those oh that's the way we've always done it let's keep doing it that way it's just my thing is if you want to move forward you want to understand where you're going you got to know where you came from and you know all it that's what i tell tell Noah all the time it's like if it wasn't for this billy eilish wouldn't exist if it wasn't for right. this the panic at the disco wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this right. this wouldn't happen right so when you like, like for hip hop with Noah, it started with early, early hip hop. Like I was playing LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys for him. And, and, and he was really into that. And now, you know, that got, that's got him into to newer stuff. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff he talks about, like, like, like grandson or whatever the hell it is. I, I don't even know. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, I don't even know what half of this stuff is, but you know, I tell him if it wasn't for, for those who came before the grandmaster flashes and, the, the Tupacs and people like that, the stuff he's listening to today wouldn't even exist.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. And then that's, at that point where he goes,
0: dad, I know. Right. (laughs) So, and I say this all the time and I think you'll back me up on this. Our generation was the first that was solely raised on this music, right? Our Mm -hmm. parents, our parents kind of bridged, um, you know, the, the crooners and the jazz, you know, the big band jazz, Not so much the bop jazz, but, you know, and bridged that to rock and roll. We were solely raised on rock and roll and hip hop and whatever, whatever excuses for country these days. Um, But we were raised on it. So we understand it. We get it. But even, even still with this newer stuff, they're, they're like, we're, you know, stuff we grew up on freaking old fashioned compared to this.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because it's like, I mean, you know, my, I think. I think our parents, like your parents and my parents were about the the same age. And I think a lot of the stuff that they were into, you know, me being, I was like the youngest of four kids. And so my parents were like in their thirties already when I was born. And so it's like, I had friends whose parents were into slightly more contemporary stuff but my parents musical taste was always like light years away from what i was into i mean my dad was my dad was into like big band stuff and all that and and my mother was into you know a lot of like stuff from the 50s so it's kind of like it's it's a pretty wide bridge between the two and i but i have friends i mean like you know my in-laws were you know they got married in the seventies, and so their st- what they were into is completely different than what my parents are into. So I think it, it's just you know the, it's interesting to see how the generations what they what they're raised on and what they pick up on. Um, but I also think that um, you shouldn't be bound by, by by what what defines you as a generation in terms of music.
0: No, we know? talked about it before, right? The entries to jazz alone, right? I mean, you know you. It's stuff that we listen to as kids because our parents had it on. You know, my dad was huge into big band. He loved Frank Sinatra. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, the Doors and and the Who were in the record cabinet. And, you know, so I have, and and Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I have that seminal album. I own it. Right. I have it now. And I have Meaty, Beaty, Big and Bouncy. I have Doors 13. I have these albums because my dad dad was listening to him. He was a disc jockey in the 60s. So it's not, you know, that he was exclusively playing Mel Torme records. He was playing all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you, you know, when you look at God, you look at the way we did it. Uh, back in the early '90s, you know, some of that stuff I still fish out, right? And that night I sent you the the photograph from my Sirius XM screen for of Dada and Disneyland, you know, the the shit yeah. we were we were playing. Uh, I I listen to School of Fish, Three Strange Days all the time. Um, mm-hmm or <laughs> the greatest song ever written, Detachable Penis by King Missile. Oh, King Missile. That's uh, oh a good my, one. Oh my gosh. One of the, the greatest freaking uh, drum tracks ever. Um, a classic. Oh, isn't it though? I love this song that tells a story.
1: <laughs> and speaking of songs that tell a story, somebody that we didn't mention in the obituaries, Bismarck E.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. We lost Biz Marquee. And And talk about, the ultimate storyteller in song, right? Because, uh, because, because she's just a friend. Oh, what a story that tells. Right. But her name is blah, blah, blah. Uh, yep. And, uh, <laughs> showed up at her college campus and yeah, you know, but it, it's funny. It, it really is interesting. Um, that, you know, kind of coming full circle with this program tonight, we, we talked about all the people we lost, but when you look at it, and you mentioned it, right? You have a bunch of folks who are in their eighties and nineties that we lost, but we always lose people early. We sure. always lose people young, and and that's what gets me is how much as much as they put out into the world, how much are we not going to get?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that that's it does happen. Like every year, there's someone. It's like, oh my God, they were only whatever 30, 40, whatever. And I think that, I think, I think a lot about how much they would have, you know, would, would be offering us and how much we'd be able to enjoy more stuff from them. If they had still been around, I think, you know, you mentioned Amy Winehouse, that was a great example. I think of people like, uh, you know, like river Phoenix. And I think I had posted something. I think I remember when, um, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like the anniversary of his death or something like that. And, you know, thinking about how, you know, River Phoenix never got to work with like Quentin Tarantino. He never got to work with the Coen brothers. He never got to work with a lot of these sort of like directors who became really big after he died. And can you imagine River Phoenix in a fucking Tarantino movie? That would have been awesome. It would have just, 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 you know, like the the kind of stuff that he would have put out if he died in like 93. And, you know, so much, there were so many great directors that came out after that, that I think, you know, just, you know, imagine what kind of stuff, um, I'm trying to think of other people who were just like really young when they passed away. But,
0: well, you know, even just, let's just look at Michael K. Williams. Right. I mean, you know, exactly. he, he, with yeah. the wire and then uh boardwalk empire, love care, country and, and a bunch of other things that they, you know, films and whatnot. I mean, he's a fantastic actor. We lost him this year. Yeah. Uh, way too young. You know, what gets me about it is it, you can't ever point to the one thing, right? It's not always drugs. It's not always this, that or the other thing. I mean, look at Anton Yelchin. Right. The guy dies in a freak accident with a garage door. He's 27 years yeah. old. Right. Yeah. And so now, now when you look at the next evolution of Star Trek films, what are we doing with, with that character? Right. So it's right. like, even just in that limited story arc, we lost somebody. Right. right? And, right. and, you know, I mean, and, and, he was a, you know, he was a fun kid and, and he was, you know, he did the the fright night remake uh, with Colin Farrell. He did, uh, uh, he played Odd Thomas uh, based on uh, Dean Kuhn's, uh series of novels. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. doing, you yep. know, he was doing all kinds of stuff in addition to Star Trek. And, um, you know, so um, you look at I me, mean, even even comedians. Right. You look at all the ones that we've lost either from just drugs and or suicide. You know, I mean, one of my favorites was Mitch Hedberg. And yeah. uh you know Oh yeah, he was great. Wasn't he great? He was young. Yeah, very young. He was young, like isn't. in his 30s maybe. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he always had that jazz bass in the background and you know, he had like this really <laughs> funny groove going on and yeah, he was almost like um like a jazz version of Stephen Wright, right? He had all these wry one-liners that you had to really think oh, about for yeah. a second and think "Oh yeah, yeah, that's funny." Um and there was there's people that just didn't get him, right? But um
1: Mitch Hedberg or Stephen Wright or both? You're
0: probably both, <laughs> Stephen Wright. It's,
1: it's, it's St- funny. I remember. I, rem- I remember when you know when Stephen Wright, first came out. I think it was like the mid '80s or something like that. And my father was just like could not get over like the fact that this person existed. Like he thought it was the funniest thing in the world because it was. There was nothing like that. He was this real nothing. surreal comedian. I mean, there's other people I think like that now that were clearly influenced by him. But at the time, it was like who the fuck is this guy, you know? know? And my, my father and I used to, cause he used to be on like Carson and he was on Letterman and stuff like that. And we would just die laughing cause he was just, nobody was doing that. It's like, how are you getting away with this?
0: Right. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, it was, he took mundane things that you mm-hmm. don't, you, you pay no attention to, or you just take for granted and a simple play on words you know i went to yeah. the store the other day i bought some batteries only to get home to find out they weren't included <laughs> i mean who who comes up with this shit you know uh i you know i had a skylight put in my apartment the upstairs neighbors are really pissed off <laughs> you know
1: what's the um what's the uh, um um i went into a store that said they were open 24 hours and the guy said sorry we're closing he says but it says you're open 24 hours yeah not in a row <laughs>
0: And see, see, as a as a wordsmith myself, I really appreciate the the, the wordplay, right?
1: I, that's yeah. the thing, yeah. And I think that's what my dad my dad really liked comedians who just kind of had fun with like syntax. I mean, George Carlin, perfect example. Seven words you can never say on television. That was his thing, and he was basically just like turning grammar and language into stand up comedy, and nobody was doing that.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's funny is, and I, and I don't agree with his politics or, or whatever, but you know, who's, who's probably more cerebral than you think is Larry, the cable guy. And if you really, really? if you really listen to him, there's, there's some interesting wordplay and there's some interesting concepts that he plays around with. And you're like, this guy's really smart. He comes across huh. as like a Southern country rube. He's actually right. really, really smart right uh-huh. you know and i love observational comedy jim gaffigan has a new uh, new special out i haven't watched the whole thing but from what i've seen of it, it it's pretty funny and oh i like him yeah, yeah. gaffigan's and, good yeah and i've seen him in person and uh you know you know about 15 years ago and you know the the whole beyond the pale at the time where he does a whole hot pockets routine and the hot pockets yeah oh mm-hmm. it's fantastic hot pocket uh <laughs> Yeah. What about, uh, what about in Spanish? What about in Mexico? Uh, Caliente pocket <laughs> <laughs> Gaffigan's great. You know who I really, really have, have grown to like, and, and, uh, I want to see more of his Sebastian Maniscalco because mm-hmm. you, know, you look at where I grew up in, in Western New York and, you know, a guy like that is, is almost like a lot of people I grew up with, except yeah. he's neurotic yeah. and, and a lot of other things. Um, but he, he, you know, he speaks a language that I understand, and he talks about things that I get. Um, and he's manic, and and he's he's funny, and and you know, he looks like he just stepped out of a chess king, at, you yeah, know, <laughs> or a merry go round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's just All a right. throwback yeah. from the the mid '80s. But you know, he's he's uh, you know one of those comedians that's really uh, gained a gained a foothold. But you're starting to see some of that come back too, you know, and, and we're still in the, we're not out of the COVID era, uh, but you're starting to see some of that come back as in in-person comedy shows and, and that kind of thing, and sure, you know, it's funny is is I, I saw a thing, it's a it's a commercial talking about Broadway and talking about how. Those folks were so have been so impacted by COVID because you can't exactly go tell them to go do something else. It's such a specialty, right. and not just the actors, but the people working it, right? The stagehands, the costumers, all that stuff. I just found that fun. This this it's kind of like an extended commercial about coming back to the theater. Um, it airs on one of my streaming services. It's really interesting uh, perspective, and I kind of thought about that. You know, the year I was out of work, it's like I write that's what I do. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go be a ditch digger. It's not my thing. I mean, I would, if I had to, right. 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 You know, um, I just thought it was really interesting. Um, We're starting to see a return to a lot of in-person events. I don't know if you're seeing that up in the Northeast, but you know, Um, not so. I mean, not
1: quite so much. I think that there's, because of the fact that in the Northeast, especially in places like New York, um, cases have, come back like really strongly and because of that I'm noticing a lot of stuff is getting canceled or postponed. um So yeah I mean it, it's not completely gone but it's not it's not back to where we thought it was going to be at this point you know I think every, everybody thought that everything was going to be back to normal and then you know Omicron or everything else and I mean who the fuck knows at this point.
0: Right. And and the thing is, I noticed a lot of uh, like New Year's Eve stuff got canceled and everybody yes. was all excited. We're going to oh yeah, we're, we're almost back to normal. We're going to do this. And then, nah, 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 we better not. What I find interesting is the television programming around New Year's Eve um, is a cheap imitation of what we grew up on. It, it's, you know, I know Dick Clark had, had that stroke some years ago and now we're stuck with Dick Clark Light, uh, otherwise known as Ryan Seacrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and now we have, uh, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper getting drunk on live television every year, <laughs> yes. uh, doing shots, which is, which is interesting. Uh, but I just, you know, I mean, for those of us we were talking about what we grew up on, for those of us who grew up on Lawrence Welk and Guy Lombardo, I guess anything would be an improvement. That's true. Right. I mean, I think, I think as a kid, the longest two hours of our lives was Lawrence and 60 Minutes. Um, back to back, but, uh, but yeah, it, you know, when you, when you start seeing, you know, what gets me is, and I, and I come back to this cause this is when I, this is the time of the year I get nostalgic. So, you know, I was bitching about Rudolph and Charlie Brown and all that. I will go onto YouTube during the Christmas season and I'll go watch old Bob Hope specials from the seventies rather than watch some of these, these shows that come on in December on network. And I watched Michael Buble special this year thinking, okay, maybe one of these years, this fucker is going to get it right. And it's going to be something worth watching. And again, it's not. And, you know, it's, it's just, to me, it's just a cheap imitation of, of some of the stuff that we grew up on. And it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know what the answer or the fix is. I just don't know. It just, it rings hollow to me. I don't, for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's an attempt to recreate a, you know, uh, uh, something that was really big. And, you know, there's, I guess, a nostalgia element to it. But, um, you know, I never really... I was never really all that into those kind of you know, the New Year's Eve things were just sort of like, I need to turn on the TV because I need to know when it's gonna be midnight. I never necessarily tuned into those things starting at like nine o'clock or anything like that. So but um yeah, I mean I think that there's a lot of you know, when you talk about kind of like that style, when you talk about say like a Michael Buble who was clearly a student of like Sinatra or whatever, I mean I think there's only so much you can do in terms of like, you've got to be a really good singer. It's not just a matter of like putting on a suit and looking the part, you know what I mean? You have to kind of have, and, and someone like Sinatra, who I'm not necessarily a big fan of his, but I have an enormous amount of respect for his technique. I mean, he was very, very talented. He wasn't just like classy and stylish and everything. I mean, he was a damn good singer. And um, so I think that people who are trying to sort of recreate that genre i just think that you have to do more than just imitate that you know what i mean sure um you know but that's that's just that's the way i feel about it
0: well what's kind of funny is you know we're watching it and kermit the frog is on the show and and angie's like what the hell is kermit the frog doing on here it's kind of ruins and cheapens the thing go back to 1977 watch the bob hope special and the whole damn cast of the muppets is on the show yeah. right? right so exactly so you you know it's, it's not a, sacrilege. <laughs> no, no, and it's it's not like it's never been done before, right? So, exactly. You know, and it's just it, it's really really interesting. I mean, Bob Hope had a formula, right? And and you know he'd come out and he'd do a monologue that was timely, and and you know he'd skewer politics and and do this that and the other thing, and then you know he'd have some comedy sketches. He would he would sing Silver Bells with whoever, and then he'd have the the AP. Uh, you know, college football team of the year, right? They would come out and he would he would crack some jokes with them, and you know there was a formula to it. And same thing with Andy Williams and Perry Como and 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 Osmonds and people like that. And I know yeah. of all the people out there, Buble is the guy who's who's trying to recreate that, capture that 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 magic in it. It's just I don't know. It just keeps keeps falling flat for me for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it's 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 a fair point. I mean. I think that, um, I don't know. I think again, it all goes back to the fact that I think that Sinatra was just, he, he just had, I don't know. He just had more talent. I mean, he had, he was much more versatile. And the other thing is that he was someone who was also an established actor. I mean, he had a multifaceted career. Um, and he was, he was a good actor. I mean, he wasn't just making cheesy movies. I mean, he made some of those, but he was in like Manchurian Candidate and stuff like that. I mean, he was a good actor. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe, well, maybe someone will come along who will well, the, be as good as him.
0: Right? You mentioned you mentioned Sinatra a couple of times, right? So here's the it was fifty seven or fifty nine, and and I have to send you a link to it. It's on YouTube. It's Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby, and it's just two guys getting together for dinner during the holidays. During during, I don't know if it's supposed to be Christmas Eve or what, but you know, there's there's you know dinner laid out for them and they they get out the songbook and they just sing christmas songs for a half an hour or whatever it is just the two of them two of the best crooners two of the best singers to ever record and it's and it's Bing Crosby and it's it's the simplest thing it's like, you know, oh, hey, Bing, yeah. here, here's another good one. And they get into it, right? Oh, yeah, you ever heard a Christmas song? Oh, the Christmas song. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, and you know, oh, yeah, here's a, and then Bing goes to the window and starts singing White Christmas as Snowflakes Come Down, you know, it, it's just, but it's just two guys, right? And you, you get this, you, you just get this warm feeling from it. And it, it's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's a little contrived. It's a little, but it's, it's not a big production. Right. Right. So, right.
1: Right. It's very basic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, and it works even to this day, it works. Um, I don't know if you yeah. had a chance to, uh, to, to see the, uh, the Tony Bennett special with, uh, with lady Gaga. I don't know if we talked. About I did that. not. No. Uh, you know, Tony Bennett in his nineties, uh, you know, his last, uh, concert, uh, with lady Gaga. And I spent 28 minutes wondering if they were going to have Tony Bennett on their Tony Bennett show. Um, <laughs> you know, obvi- <laughs> obviously well, he's going like, to pace himself. <laughs> Yeah. And, and for most of it, Tony, uh, Tony was into it and, uh, sounded great. Sounded just like, uh, you know, you expect Tony to sound and, uh, then, then Tony didn't want to leave. <laughs> he, he didn't, Tony didn't realize it was over. Uh, but, oh, uh, but, but, you know, it, it, it is, it is interesting that a lot of those, you know, back to what we started with, uh, tonight, uh, a lot of those entertainers that we grew up with, that our parents grew up with, even our grandparents, even though I didn't know mine, um, you know we're losing a lot of those folks unfortunately yeah. and and we're going to continue mm-hmm. to do so um but again like you said it gives us an opportunity to either discover or rediscover their work and if we're already mm-hmm. fans it gives us an excuse to go back and look at it like when gene wilder passed away that that really bothered me uh yeah. I'm a big fan of gene and uh you know give me an excuse to watch gene uh, young frankenstein for the 40,000th time Sure. Uh, right. Um, As if you yeah. need an excuse. Uh, you Right. It's it's like one of those things that has a permanent place on the DVR. It's like, do not delete, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, when it comes to uh, what's out and what's coming out and, and that kind of thing, I think, uh, I think we're in a, we're in a really interesting era. We've talked about it many, many times on, on this show uh, from streaming, from, you know, P- movies are coming back. I, I love the new Ghostbusters film. Yeah. Um, and you know talk about calling back to nostalgia right that, that was all done for uh for harold Ramis, and, and and we finally got the third film in the in the franchise and uh-huh. uh you know it, it's an interesting time for storytelling it really is
1: yeah yeah absolutely um and i think it's it's i still am really kind of blown away by how um like episodic television has really matured, you know, and, and, you know, this has been going on for a long time, but it goes all the way back to, you know, The Sopranos, where TV became cinematic, you know, and it wasn't just, you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I hate to say this and I especially, I I don't feel great about saying this in front of you because I know that you have a lot of old school kind of, um, you know, you, you, you like going back to like, you know, the old days um, I don't know how to say that diplomatically, but you know we're both just, mo-
0: we're just, mo- just say it.
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, it's funny because I will occasionally watch a TV show, like a dramatic TV show from a long time ago. Like I'll, you know, Hill Street Blues is on Hulu. I'm like, oh yeah, Hill Street Blues. I remember what a great show. And I watch it, and I feel like there's something missing because it's like they were sort of they hadn't yet made the leap into sort of like cinematic television they were on their way there, but it's not like, I just think that a lot of old TV shows have a real aged feel to them and they don't age well. And I think that somebody figured it out like in the late nineties that, Hey, we can make TV shows that are like movies. And that's why I just think right now we're living in a time where episodic television is better than ever. I mean, it really is. It's not like I hate the old shows. I just think that we've come so far and we've made so many strides in just the quality of the storytelling and the, and the, the sort of technical aspect of it. I you know, don't disagree I don't with
0: any of that. I think you're a hundred percent right. And I, and I tell you when it, when it really came home for me uh, and I, and I need to go back and I need to finish it because I had a blog series going for this. I went back to binge Star Trek, the original series, because uh-huh. I, I, you know, you catch an episode here, you catch an episode, there's a kid in syndication or whatever, but you know, like you just said it wasn't this serialized episodic you know cinematic thing um, mm-hmm. you know you could watch an episode and you know from beginning to end you knew every character and you knew I mean it ended after an hour and, right. and and you weren't it's not like you missed anything from the, the episode before unlike right. unlike the cinematic stuff like Sopranos or or any of the other things like yeah you gotta, to, you gotta watch
1: them all yes yeah.
0: you do so when I went back to watch Star Trek, I, I that was one of the observations I made, is everything's neatly buttoned up in an hour. Right. And, you know, just like... Uh, it, feels, it feels fake. Yeah, it does. And even though, you know, there's some two-part episodes or some recurring themes or recurring characters or, or, you know, callbacks to other episodes, it really is each episode of any of these shows, from Star Trek to The Six Million Dollar Man to... Uh, Charlie's Angels to anything that we watch dramatically, uh, you know, mm-hmm. even things like Dallas and you know all of those mm-hmm. those evening soaps, um, you know, it was you know let's let's solve this in an hour, you know, and and uh, now it's like yeah you got to watch it from the beginning and. You know, it's like I said, you you stay up half the night watching this shit because it's all there in front of you and you're gonna want you I can't stop watching, you're gonna watch the next one. Uh Portlandia did a fantastic skit on this on binge watching. Oh the
1: Battlestar Galactica thing.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, that was (laughs) great. yeah. Just one more, just one more. Yeah. Oh, and then it ends and then oh we gotta find the guy who wrote this and then they find the wrong guy and then it's freaking hilarious. (laughs) Right? But yeah, I mean so so as as we like to say, we invented binge watching in Iceland. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but everything was, was solved, right? You saw Columbo, it was solved in an hour. They used to right, run right. things like MacMillan at white and wife at, at midnight or, or, uh, McLeod, right. With, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy with the mustache, uh, um, oh, Dennis Weaver. Yeah. Dennis Weaver. Thank you. Um, sure. you know, they, they would run that stuff at like at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday and you could watch one episode and you got it. You understood, you didn't have to watch any other ones, right? But now it's like yes. if you don't watch Fr- Stranger Things from the be- beginning, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, but it's it, it really is you know a great time for storytelling because how many times have, have you seen a movie? And I'll give you a perfect example The Dark Tower by, by Stephen King, where you have a series of books and they cram it into a movie and they screw it up, right? Yeah. Right. And it would have been better as one of these cinematic episodic series, right? Look at something like The Witcher, right? I mean, I, I I've already given up on season two, but I like season one. Um, you know, stuff like that, right? I just watched something called Marianne. Um, I, I I binged it. You know me, I like stories about writers, uh, mm-hmm. about this cursed horror writer, and and she, you know, it goes through the, her story arc. You couldn't have put that in a movie, right? Right. And you're exactly. not solving anything in an hour. Yeah. I mean, you know, situation comedies are another thing. It's a whole different conversation, a whole different genre, but you know, like you said, Hill Street Blues was one of those ones where you had continuing storylines and characters. Same thing with the NYPD Blue and and, and some of this stuff. You look at the stuff yeah. that's out now, though. These networks. Show- who the hell is watching? What is what is the, the blues? What the hell is this shit? Uh, with Tom Selleck? Who the hell is watching oh, blue, this?
1: Blue, blue Bloods. Blue
0: Bloods. That's it. Who the hell is watching, watching this crap?
1: I think my mom is watching it.
0: Nah. Everybody <laughs> loves the mustache. Everybody loves Tom Selleck, right? But yeah. It, <laughs> Right. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I will binge watch a series, you know, that, that I really like. I mean, Squid Game was fantastic. Um, you know, Stranger Things is coming back uh, this year. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, um, Mike Flanagan seems to, to fall out of a boat and hit water these days. So he's, he's got some good stuff going. Um, you know, and, and there's some good movies coming out. You know, the Salem's lot adaptations coming, the new one, the new cinematic. Uh, yeah. You
1: mentioned that last time. Yeah. Yeah. It should be interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And the cast looks a little, eh, we'll see. We'll see how it works. Um, What's who's in the, who's in the cast. Oh God, you're going to make me look it up. Aren't you fucker? Uh, I thought, you, I thought you knew. Sorry. Well, not off the top of my head. I gotta, I gotta go to my, my source here. um, IMDB, which is and it's on is it on
1: one of those streaming services like uh what what's it on
0: no it's going to be a theatrical release oh it's a
1: film okay a
0: film it's not a series so william sadler is going to be you gotta
1: gotta leave the house
0: right right so william sadler is going to be in it love him uh yeah yeah yeah, he's fantastic alfrey woodard's going to be in it i like her um okay and uh, let's see. Uh, let's see who else. Um, hmm. William
1: Sadler was the bad guy in Die Hard 2.
0: Yes. And he was also in. Uh, uh, Shawcheck Redemption. Yeah. And he was also in uh, with Billy Zane, uh, 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 Tales from the Crypt, uh, Demon oh, okay. Knight. Demon Knight, which was one of my favorites. Um, let's see. So uh, it's my understanding Sadler is going to be playing uh, Kurt Barlow he's going to be the vampire okay uh lewis pullman is playing ben mears which will be interesting it was played by david soul in the uh the tv miniseries sure. uh let's see uh, Mackenzie lee is playing susan norton who's the love interest of uh ben mears uh so uh yeah it's uh kind of a unknown cast beyond that right spencer hmm. treat clark is going to play mike ryerson um so you know, Mike Ryerson's an important character. Uh, the Glick brothers uh, very important, and um, in, uh, in that, and so um, it's gonna be really, really interesting. Jordan Preston Carter is playing Mark Petrie. Um, okay. So uh, I, I'm unfamiliar with this this young actor, but uh, you know he, uh, you know that that's the the main character who teams up with uh, Ben Mears to fight the yeah, vampires. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, I might end up reading the book again before the movie comes out just to familiarize myself. I always thought David soul was miscast. I always thought he was too old to play Ben Mears. Um, uh, Well, they were also, they were, they
1: were jumping on the fact that he was so, he was so big as uh, in Starsky and Hutch. And I think they were trying to turn him into, they were trying to turn him into a movie star. I mean, that's kind of like, I'm trying to think of an example of someone who like, um, I think there was a movie. I am trying to like, like in the early 80s, if they're trying to make an adaptation of something and they decide to cast Tom Selleck in the lead, you know, nowadays you would laugh at that. But it's just like, well, at the time he was really huge.
0: Yeah, let's let's <laughs> get the the popular guy uh, from the that show, you know, let's get him and, and we'll do that. And it's like it's almost like kind of like movies like uh, Three Men and a Baby. Right. I mean, let's go yeah. get the three guys that are the hottest uh, TV stars right now or or even, you know, other movie franchise stars. Let's get them and. Yeah, you know, put them in a film. Oh, you
1: know, you know what it was? I think I, I'd have to double check this, but I think Tom Selleck was originally cast to play like, Indiana Jones. Can you imagine?
0: I, I've heard that, and and uh, yeah, that, so what did he do? Quigley <laughs> Down Under. Um, that was the answer to that. And It is funny you mentioned River Phoenix. He got to work with Steven Spielberg on on uh, the uh, you know the third Indiana Jones film. So. Um, right. Right. So the, the one where, uh, with Sean Connery, right. So he plays the younger Indiana Jones in the, in that right. one. So, uh, he at least got to work with Steven Spielberg, even though he didn't get to work with, with Quentin Tarantino. So speaking of Quentin Tarantino, we lost Sonny Chiba and that's going to be a great place to end the show.
1: Um, <laughs> wow. You really know how to bring things to a screeching halt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a AFRTS segue that we learned so well there back in go. the day back in Dinfo's in uh, Indianapolis at Fort Benjamin Harrison way, way back in the day. I don't know if you got it. Did you get a chance to read the blog post I wrote about why I do the podcast and and our days together back then? Yes, yes, I did
1: read that actually, yes.
0: And the one blog you read that I wrote. Um, I've read some of them. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I thought it was important, you know, especially now that I've, I've figured out how to put the podcast in more places that it was important to talk about why I do it. And, you know, I, sure. I, I, yeah, it's funny as, as much as I, I never found success in commercial radio, I, I got to do a professional podcast for a little while. And I get, I've been doing this for five years and I'm thankful that, you know, you are my connection uh, to those days. And, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned it on in your social media post about the show. Jesus Christ, we've known each other for almost 30 years.
1: Yeah, well this year. When when did you get to div- uh, take 90, like off? 92. Yeah, so like what the summer? I think
0: it was the summer. No, no, it was uh, it was like February or something like that. It was early okay, 92. So
1: it's just about just about 30 years then.
0: Yep, I've got two anniversaries coming up this year. I've got um I quit smoking in 2008, which I remember you guys used to make fun of us like for smoking outside and it's snow in Iceland. Um, I'll never forget you, me and Bob Everdeen sitting in his, his truck smoking and you and, and, uh, I think it was Jamie, Gerard, probably Jamie or Gerard Johnson coming out to make fun of us. And you guys weren't wearing coats. I'm like, okay, who's the I had
1: just, and you know what though? I would probably just quit. Cause I quit when I was became an expectant father. Mm. Um, so I quit probably right about the time you got there. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> yes. a little bit of hypocrisy there. Yeah, I was
0: just going to say hypocrite. Um, and then, uh, the other anniversary is obviously graduating from Denfo's about 30 years ago. So that means I have been writing professionally on some level for 30 freaking years. So wow. take that. Right? That's something right from, from newspaper and Meg. I'm sure I'll talk more about it next month when it's actually closer to an actual anniversary, but You know, writing for newspaper, magazines, um, online, both, you know, Navy stuff, uh, sports, you name it. Uh, And to to becoming a published novelist, um, yeah. to to say I've been writing professionally and getting paid for it for 30 years is fucking insane to me.
1: Yeah, it is. It is weird when you think about it. Um, I mean, I'm... I'm trying to think if there was a oh this 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 summer. Well, I think this is the same thing with you. This summer will be 35 year uh, anniversary of graduating high school.
0: <sighs> oh, shit.
1: I'll just yeah. leave that right there.
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, do-
1: that's how you end the. That's how you end the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, follow that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but you know what's You know this. what? You know it's so funny. I mean, you you all you mentioned it on the in your social media post. You're like, well, I'm not a big sports fan like Jerry is. Blah blah blah. You know, what's so mm-hmm. funny though. Is is to be, um, you know, friends for this long and, and to reconnect the last I don't know what it is. You know, five ten years on on social. is yep. we had enough. Uh, common interest and, uh, you know, common ground to, to be friends anyway, uh, sure. regardless of, of that. Right. We, we, we both yeah. love music. We both love books, uh, yeah. you know, and, and writing and storytelling and, and, and that kind of thing. So that, that, you know, I've always forgiven you for not being a sports fan, but well, you know. thanks. <laughs> but you know, what's so funny is, I mean, when, when you look at your background and how you grew up, it's perfectly understandable. Right. Because I've known other folks who had different upbringings. Like my father was the sports guy. Right. We watched sports on television. He played sports in high school. He played college basketball. Sports was big in my house, big in my family. But he was never a hunter. He was never a fisherman. I had to teach myself how to fish. I don't like hunting. I'm not a gun person. Right. So, you know, we are the sum of our experiences and, and that kind of thing. And you just had a different experience.
1: Well, but, but to, to that point, though, my father actually was quite a jock. Um, but for some reason, it didn't really interest me. It, my my brother was really into it when he was growing up, my, old, my older brother. And for some reason, it didn't, like, filter down to me. And I think it probably was because music just kind of, like, overtook that. And it did. It eventually happened with my brother, too. But it was just kind of like you you latch on to the things that, that interest you. And the other stuff is just kind of like kind of falls away and, and it's not that I had a, had a, had a stinging hatred for it. It was just something, it was just like, ah, eh, I don't, I, I'd rather just listen to records, you know? It's you know? I,
0: yeah. And, and in my case I had that and I also had the other, Right. And, right. you know, right. but, you know, music, obviously you became a musician, you're a drummer and, you know, you mm-hmm. understand music on a level that, that most people will never understand. You understand music construction, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, to a, to a point that, that folks like me, I, I I barely can pick out what's, instruments are being played on a particular song um you know so you know there there's a level of knowledge and understanding that you have that that most people don't have and you know there's a lot to be said for that just like i have a Mm -hmm. knowledge of of certain sports that that others won't won't ever have um and and now i look to my 15 year old as the the expert because i don't pay pay as much attention as i used to because uh i don't get paid to um (laughs) <laughs> but, right. But, but it does boggle my mind because even you look at what we did in Iceland and radio, television and, and, uh, and news, there was an element of writing to that. Right. We had to write stuff yeah. for radio. We had to write newscasts, scripts, we had to write all that stuff. So, you know, from 92 to today, I have been a professionally employed writer for, for the better part of 30 years. It blows my mind.
1: Yep. Yeah, I hear you.
0: <laughs> and you're like yeah and you're still not any good at it <laughs> uh, no of course not uh just messing with you so chris uh what's going on with popmatters.com what's happening
1: not a damn thing um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i am i am going to be writing some stuff i'm i'm uh oh crap um i've really been um kind of taking a bit of a like I said, taking a bit of a break because they, they've been on holiday, on, uh, on a publishing break. But I am going to be, um, I have a couple of things in the works and um, i trying to think here. Um, This sort of like uh, this ambient sort of um, experimental artist named Alex Albrecht has an album that just came out called Resolve that I think is really interesting and I'm reviewing that. It's actually on a label out of Oakland, California. Uh, Your old stomping grounds. Yes,
0: my old stomping grounds.
1: A really great jazz uh, uh, artist named Tyler Mitchell has an album coming out called Dancing Shadows. I'm going to be reviewing that, and a very interesting quirky indie pop punk band called tomato flower is coming out with their first album in february and i'm reviewing that it's um it's on a label called ramp local which is out of philadelphia the guy who runs that label is someone who i've gotten to know because he pitches me a lot of stuff for pop matter so that's a couple of things that i'm i'm reviewing just off the top of my head but i also do want to um pick up some more stuff as well um uh but they haven't really started generating lists of stuff for us to pick so i i I don't have any i'm trying to think of some stuff that's coming out um uh in the next couple months but to be honest with you i've just been kind of like i'm just sort of gearing back into that right now because i've just been in like holiday mode and i haven't done any of that stuff but um uh i'm hoping to maybe get back into doing some book reviews i haven't really done any of those in a long time um and we'll just kind of kind of see where that goes but that's that's just sort of what i've got on tap right now um and uh really looking forward to to ramping up the writing um it's just it's like i said it's been it's been really easy for me to kind of like lay off of it for a while just because there's been so much like life stuff going on um especially like learning a new job i mean that's been that's been taking up a lot of my time um and we're you know tearing apart our kitchen which is loads of fun um
0: we're still not settled after six months <clears throat> in a new house so yeah i, I get it that it, it does and and speaking of learning a new job i've been doing the same so you know the last seven months or so and uh so i get yep. that too and you know um even though uh um, you know, we haven't had a show and, uh, you know, you haven't been on in a month or so, and I haven't had one in a couple of weeks, uh, can think of no better way than to, to uh, start the new year with an almost two hour episode of the get the that podcast oh shit, that's right, man. <laughs> with my, uh, with my good friend, Chris Ingalls, who writes for, uh, pop matters who I've known for fuck 30 years. Um, God, it blows my mind that, that it's been that, I know. that freaking it's, it's, long. We yeah. were babies. Yeah. We yeah. were running a Absolutely. television and a radio station and we were babies. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> it's, yeah. I, there's nothing else to add to that. It's just, it's fucking weird. Um, and it was a weird time.
0: You know, Not and I go back it. to I go back because I was a fleet returnee, right? You you'd gone straight to to Denfos out of boot camp. Yeah. I I had been out to sea and out to war and everything else. It just blew my mind that you know we were letting nineteen year old maintain you know forty four million dollar fighter planes, and it just uh, and <laughs> right and and you know guys you wouldn't trust to fix your car, but uh, missile <laughs> fly. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. A Little super glue, we're good. Yeah all right just go ahead go ahead you're fine Uh, (laughs) but uh but yeah it uh it was a weird time but yeah we were babies and we were running a radio and television station and uh you know it it just uh, but you know and we were good at it that was the crazy thing we were we were all we we were learning on the fly but we were good at it and we had a lot of fun doing it yep so anyway chris anything else to add
1: no, it's been a blast. Uh, looking forward to the next one. And uh,
0: yeah, yep. that's
1: it. That's all I got.
0: That's I'm all tapped you, just, out. you tapped out. All right. Well, enjoy your month of uh, brown liquor, uh, which is Thanks. about fucking time. Um, I yeah. got some great scotch recommendations if you need any. And I'm sure Dave Sawyer will give you some bourbon recommendations. Uh, that sounds great. Learn the art of the old fashioned, and uh, which is one of the great cocktails of all time. Um, so... That's going to do that. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this edition of the get the knack podcast. The first one of 2022 for my good friend and my old Navy buddy who writes for popmatters.com, Chris Ingalls. I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next week.